0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of BIA's Leading Local Insights Podcast. I'm Rick Ducey, Managing Director of BIA Advisory Services. We are excited to have this podcast to provide an immediate and deeper look into our current insights and assessments of local media. Every Tuesday, a member of our analyst team will provide insights into local and traditional um, digital ad platforms. We will talk about BIA's ad forecast, updates, offer deep dives into business verticals, and consider tech and business model trends, all in local media space. If you have an idea of what you'd like us to cover, send us an email, podcast at BIA.com. Today, we're talking with Roger Langto, who is the Director of Automotive Connected Mobility at Strategy Analytics. Good morning, Roger. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. That's great. Hey, before we get started with some of the questions, can you tell us a bit about your background and, and how, to, how you got to where you are?
1: Well, I can't say that I'm a an automotive enthusiast. Uh, I like to say I'm sort of car tolerant, uh, but I but my background is being a, being a communicator, market analyst, a consultant, and uh, worked for a variety of, of organizations, which ultimately led me about 20 or more years ago to the automotive industry, uh, where uh, I have found a home advising uh, automakers and their suppliers uh, and other sort of uh, service providers to the industry. And uh, I, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I've got about 18,000 uh, LinkedIn connections, about 200,000 followers of the blogs that I write there. But really, I'm working for Strategy Analytics, where I'm publishing my content and delivering insights, you know, behind a paywall, behind our firewall. And uh, also speaking at industry events around the world and we're we're traveling again post COVID. Uh, I was at the EAA Mobility, the first auto show outside China, uh, just three or four weeks ago. And I just came back from Hamburg at the ITS World Congress. So uh, we are having shows again. We are meeting in person again in the automotive industry. People are beginning to go back to the office. Of course, those people actually making the cars uh, got right to it uh, right away actually after about a month or so uh, pause. Um, but, I, but I'm following all these developments and the impacts uh, on the industry. Well,
0: it's such an interesting um, perch to have, uh, especially these days where automotive is front and center in a number of different discussions. Um, in the media world where we live, uh, the automotive is sort of the new platform uh, for information and entertainment. I mean, new probably to the media industry. AM and FM radio you know, have always been in, in cars. I kind of grew up with cars. But now with ATSC 3.0 and different kinds of radio technologies and, of course, with all the streaming technologies, all the different ways cars get connected and with autonomous cars. But we don't have to drive anymore. uh, It becomes sort of a a living room on wheels, I guess. So I want to get into a little bit of that. But first, you know, the auto industry now, uh, supply chain disruption and. Uh, falling sales year over year, Uh, and a lot of this is, well, there's there's so much that's sourced (laughs) before you get to the final assembly, so the the supply chain is kind of massive and complicated uh, for auto as well as other industries, but we keep reading in the general press and the trade press about uh, microchips, semiconductors, and that's kind of squarely how you live, uh, at least in part, in the automotive industry, dealing with connected cars and mobility, so you know, when when does that supply chain disruption ease up? Uh, and the reason we care in the media business, of course, is falling sales means falling ad spend. And so we hear, oh, the recovery is going to happen, you know, Q4 this year, Q1 next year, Q1 2023. What's, what's kind of the outlook for when that supply chain and the semiconductor um, supply chain particularly starts to ease up and get better?
1: Well, as you might imagine, trying to shift semiconductor production is a kind of a you know how do you turn the you know the qe2 in mid ocean uh it you know so any forecast that uh, the forecast i would go with was would be anything that puts it further out so sometime in the second half of next year maybe okay because uh, this kind of disruption means uh, hitting every every link in the chain and uh, it hasn't all been COVID. There have been some, uh, you know, there have been some factory fires in Japan. And uh, the other sort of intangible is the fact that COVID stimulated all this demand for consumer electronic products, TVs, computers, phones, mobile devices. And uh, sadly, the industry uh, really sh- had a hard shutdown uh when COVID first set in in the U.S. and elsewhere, dealers closed, factories closed. And uh, then uh, within a month or so, they said, OK, we're going to open back up again. But meanwhile, uh, all the uh, order orders had been shut down. And mm-hmm. so um, the industry basically lost its place in line. Oh, and right. so- I think we've overcome that now. But what we haven't overcome is the, the compensation for that. And so... Uh, you know, anecdotally, you hear stories about people going out to buy a particular pickup truck or an SUV or something and being completely unable to find it. Meanwhile, uh, you know, you hear these stories about factories are starting up, factories are shutting down. Those those have not really evened out yet. You know, we're not everybody's not back to work quite yet, and that's a global phenomenon. That's China. That's that's Mexico. That's Europe. That's the U.S. Uh, however, I will say that uh, uh, just when I got back from Hamburg, Germany uh strangely enough and and I am strange in some of my decision making and buying a car is an emotional experience. I took my twenty nineteen BMW X1 to my dealership here in Northern Virginia and traded in for a 2022 X3 and got a good deal. So in most instances you're hearing about exorbitant used car prices, exorbitant new car prices, or not being able to find the car you want, I got precisely the car I wanted at the price I wanted. Uh, so uh, and that car is being widely advertised on television, at least. Uh, and um, my BMW dealer keeps pelting me with uh, email uh, promotional activity. So uh, I think it's, it's probably a little bit uneven, uh, but I wouldn't expect a, a return to normal, quote unquote, until maybe the middle of next year.
0: So, Roger, you got the car you wanted, when you wanted, at the price you wanted. Uh, I'm going to call you back after this podcast and oh, give some advice. Uh, one more thing about chips, before I want to move on to, to a different question. Um, uh, so you're deep into the semiconductor part of cars. One of the things I've been reading is that. Uh, in addition to the factors you just laid out for the supply chain disruption, losing their place in line and fires and COVID and everything. Um, One thing I've become more sensitized to, I just want to run this by you to see how accurate it is, is that the actual semiconductors used in automotive are older chips. I mean, it takes so long to get these things approved and all the safety testing and everything. That the, that the kinds of semiconductors used uh, in building cars are kind of older chips. They're not the newer chips, and they're less, less um, I guess, less in demand, less produced, less scale efficiencies and costs. So they're not the newer chips, like they go into iPhones. Um,
1: so is there any basis to that? I take exception to you saying that our chips are older, they're better, they're manufactured to higher standards because they need to be automotive grade, they need to stand up to a wider temperature range and jostling, obviously, of a moving vehicle. Uh, But yes, you're right, they are different than the usual chipsets that you would be buying, so you can't just take what's off the shelf. And the volumes, of course, are much less. So in an ideal uh, market, the industry was moving towards a global volume of about – uh, nearly 90 to 100 million units. Uh, the expectation this year is more like 75 million. Now, when you talk about uh, handsets and TVs and things like this, you're talking about hundreds of millions. So, who are you going to manufacture chips for? Who yeah. are you going to prioritize? Uh, so, there are you know some semiconductor companies uh, that might even not might not even be participating in the automotive industry. Although there was an increasing recognition that. The semiconductor content in vehicles is steadily increasing uh, mm. especially because of safety systems so the 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 chips are different the volumes are lower which leads to a you know a slightly lower priority uh and also which is even more you know annoying if you're a semiconductor manufacturer you need to su- supply those and support those chips for maybe as long as 10 or 15 years whereas if you're manufacturing chips for the iphone 13 a few years, maybe, you know, right. at, at, at worst. Uh, so you get a huge, you know, massive order. And then maybe you have to keep making, you know, some replacement chips for a little while, or you keep some around, but uh, automotive is a whole different cat. Uh, we actually have a factory here in Manassas for Micron, uh, that is specifically assigned to making memory chips for cars, legacy, uh, mm-hmm. product, um, Again, sort of deprioritized.
0: So auto chips, better, not older. Got it.
1: Thank
0: you. you. Um, Well, so when you think of chips and you think of cars, I mean, the the poster child is the Tesla and the smart car. And, you know, so automated, so connected, uh, so much mobility function there. Um, I was reading that looking at uh, third quarter, 2021 over 2019, Tesla sales are up. 104%, uh, and the general kind of automotive industry is down 22%, uh, Q3 22 over 2019. So Tesla's up, uh, and much like your experience, they're able to supply cars. My wife just bought a Tesla. She's going to accept it. She bought it, I think. um, In September, in December, they'll deliver it. So that's why I have to talk to you about how to get these cars faster. But, I mean, Tesla, um, like, what is going on? Triple-digit growth versus double-digit decline. How is it they're able to be so successful in this disruption supply chain uh, semiconductor business when they're so reliant on those things?
1: Well, and and profits, don't forget. Uh, They're profitable. (laughs) They just reported earnings, and uh, I think, I'm not going to say they were shocking results, but uh, they were... Strong results, powerful uh, results performance in the market, in spite of all these headwinds and uh, you know you hear about the challenges of opening their factory outside berlin and and uh, now they've shifted their headquarters to Austin. They've got a factory coming in Austin online. Uh, how do you do it? Uh, you know yeah, it is it is a it, it is an interesting and a sad tale to tell because i you know I come from the uh, a journalistic background. I come from a you know a marketing background, a market uh, analysis background. They don't have a marketing department. They don't communicate with media you know uh, directly. Uh, they don't buy a lot of market research and market intelligence. So I I I can't tell you how frustrating it is to deal with Tesla. <laughs> right. Well,
0: it's they just, I mean they they actually spend zero dollars in advertising, but they yeah. spend like two, three, four times as much as the other manufacturers, auto manufacturers, in R and D.
1: Well, it's it's not unlike Uber. Now, Uber does more recently, you know, spend money on advertising, which speaks to what happens when you start taking sort of negative uh, reputational impacts from some of your behavior in the marketplace. Right. Uh, but um, uh, Tesla has not, even though there have been some questionable uh, activities with cars running into parked police cars and things like this, uh, they've been able to uh, sail above all that because I think it just speaks to the, the Delta uh, that exists between the current customer experience and the customer relationship that the automotive industry has with internal combustion engine vehicles and the dealer network uh, and what Tesla has done sort of eliminating the need for the dealers, eliminating the need for all that repair and, and maintenance uh, for an internal combustion engine. And, uh, musk has been able to also deliver an experience where you're enhancing the value of the vehicle with over-the-air software updates so you know it's uh, how do you explain it to rationalize it uh you know every other automaker on the planet wants to be tesla uh, <laughs> because they're spending billions of dollars on advertising and you know car makers like to say well we're building the cars that our customers want, well, actually what they have to do is they have to advertise to convince customers that they want the cars that they built uh, at the end of the day. Right. And so, uh, whereas Tesla seems to have, you know, hit the sweet spot every time as to anticipating what what customers want, you know, sort of an Apple-like philosophy. Yeah.
0: So the, the last question I wanted to um, put in front of you is, the automobile as advertising platform, if you will. So, I mean, for generations we've had ads on radio, and now with streaming, uh, we have ads on, you know, Pandora and Spotify and so on, all the different services. So, you know, thinking about Tesla, that's probably the leading edge of what to expect of what's going to happen in a car. I don't know if Tesla is going to have advertising as a service into their vehicles, but as as we get into more connected and, and you know, uh, mobile, smart mobile cars. There's more different ways to, to monetize that. I mean, I saw, I think it was Ford is using AI. They have cameras that will kind of look around the car and contextualize that so they can have contextually targeted ads. And, and that's going to be one of the services they offer. What what does the, I guess, the car of today and then moving into the future, uh, the car as advertising platform, if you will, what does that look like?
1: So, uh, What has begun to arrive in the market is cameras in the cabin of the vehicle. So your car is increasingly going to be keeping an eye on you. Now, why? Uh, So regulators in Europe uh, are so what we call Euro NCAP, New Car Assessment Program. Uh, They are going to require driver monitoring systems to prevent driver distraction uh, or to anticipate uh, a drowsy driver or even a a medical uh, emergency of some kind and to have systems that will take over the car or prevent the car from operating unless you're paying attention um but literally in some cases pulling the car over in the case of uh Super Cruise from gm uh, for example that Super Cruise feature which is a semi-autonomous driving feature that will assist your driving and will allow you to take your hands off the wheel i'm sure you've heard about it uh you require two things for that system one is a driver monitor to make sure you're paying attention eyes on the road and also you need a wireless connection in the car so you need onstar Uh, with that system. Um, So yes, once you've got that camera in the vehicle, now you can uh, create a whole opportunity for uh, understanding the driver's mood, their state of mind, where their eyes are moving, what they're looking at, uh, which could even be uh, uh, interactions, new kinds of interactions like what, what, you know, Uh, is that is that uh, store open or is that restaurant open or what's their menu or whatever you know so uh, sort of integration of uh, uh, voice with uh, with facial recognition and gesture recognition in the car at the same time you that can all you're getting a large screen experience in the car increasingly and it's more often than not connected with your phone. So you've got all kinds of contextual uh, insight. Uh, And so GM came out with their marketplace, which was supposed to deliver you in real time offers. And no, not just the, here's the Starbucks coupon as you're driving by Starbucks, that's ridiculous. Uh, But but more subtle offers and things. Unfortunately, uh, that that offering is actually going away, but it it shows the thinking in the industry that, oh, we have all this insight, Uh, We could even, you know, get to a kind of an attribution uh, of, uh, you know, they saw this offer and then drove to that place to buy that thing uh, and use the offer. Uh, Which I'm sure uh, there's similar attribution taking place with mobile devices as well. But I'd like to say the car is the sort of ultimate uh, mobile device. Um, But it also manifests in terms of the user interface in the car. We're getting app stores. Uh, And also a company called Xperia is bringing their DTS auto stage in, which is more of a user experience like you have on the TV today where, you know, you want to continue listening to this um, or you liked this. How about this? Uh, So that environment does set the stage for advertising opportunities that are contextual, that are more relevant, you know, uh, acceptable. Uh, however, I will say in the context of our Tesla discussion that Tesla probably is not going to have any kinds of, of advertising stuff coming at you in the car. They have got they have full control of the user interface, uh, and uh, they probably are going to go in a completely different direction.
0: They're going to be the Netflix of the cars. We, we won't I, take it. Out.
1: <laughs> uh, I think so. especially-
0: that's really fascinating well thank, thank you so much roger and, and actually i'll put one more thing out there um the, the car i guess as a destination as a lifestyle choice uh was something curious i saw during the covid uh the the deep throes of the COVID, where i'd be driving around and hear like this low bass, boom 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 kind of around a neighborhood and i was slow to catch on but then i said oh i get it it's like uh teenagers who are stuck at home with their parents like are going berserk." And so they move into the car and they play music, have their friends over and they're just like the car is another living room for them. I don't know. Well, Roger, thank you so much for being with us today. Really some fascinating insights and data you shared with us. Um, and thank you for joining us. I'm Rick Ducey for BIA Advisory Services. Tune in for more BIA forecasts, uh, podcasts, where we bring industry insights straight to you. We also invite you to join our webinar page at www.bia.com for post and upcoming events related to BIA's data insights and thought leadership in a local ad marketplace. Thanks so much for joining us. And Roger, thank you again. Bye, everybody.